I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but it just wouldn't be our style. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. SportstownChicago.com. Lombard. Part of the Beyond Air Network and available on the TuneIn app. Hell yeah. Broadcast, Broadcast home for your Windy City Bulls and the Chicago Dogs. We're in a league of our own. Now, here's your SportstownChicago.com scoreboard update. At 3 o'clock, I'm Pat Riley with your SportstownChicago.com update powered by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. The NBA announced the participants for their condensed All-Star Weekend festivities. The three-point competition is star-studded, featuring Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, and the Bulls' very own Zach Levine. The dunk contest, not quite as star-powered as Obi Toppin, Anthony Simmons, and Cassius Stanley will be the three competitors. Zion Williamson reportedly turned down a request to compete from the NBA. Illinois men's basketball picked up a huge victory last night, steamrolling number two Michigan 76-53 without Wooden Award finalist Io DeSumo. There was a small lineup of NBA games last night as they wind out towards the All-Star break. The Grizzlies took out the Wizards 125-111 in D.C. The Celtics edged out the Clippers 117-112. The Hawks down the Heat 94-80. The Spurs rolled past the Knicks 119-93. The Nuggets dominated the Bucks 128-97. And the Suns took down the Lakers 114-104 in L.A. The Bulls had the night off. They resume action tonight against the Pelicans. In NFL news, the Washington football team is saying goodbye to its cheerleaders after 50 years and introducing a co-ed dance team as part of its rebranding effort. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update, brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. <laughs> yes, indubitably old sport. Last name? Wilson. Four teams also are super interesting because they're four major markets. We're talking Chicago, Las Vegas, Dallas, and New Orleans. Chicago, Chicago. That's improbable, but not impossible. I'm not really sure how it works. You'll, you'll have to speak with the people at the top. Really, right now for us, everything's on the table in regard to the quarterback situation. And, and honestly, that includes players on our current roster. That includes free agency. Uh, trade, uh, the draft, and, and a combination of all those. So uh, we have a, we have a plan in place, and now it's about uh, executing that plan. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Quarterback, first name Rosals, last name Wilson. Mister, 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 Unlimited. Welcome into Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. That was Russell Wilson stirring up the pot last week on the Dan Patrick show. When basically asked if he was happy in Seattle, he said he was happy if they'd have him. And now there's reports coming out. He expressed some disappointment not being more involved in talks about the team's direction. His agent came out and said Russ is happy in Seattle. But... If he were to be traded, there's four teams he would go to. The Bears, Saints, Cowboys, and Raiders. Now, this is huge because he has a full 
no trade clause. So that means he gets to dictate wherever he wants to go play. The fact that he named the Bears, there was a lot of jokes that came out of it. The best one being, it was a list of top quarterbacks in Bears franchise history. Number one, Sid Luckman. Number two, Jay Cutler. Number three, Eric Kramer. Number four, Russell Wilson Russell Wilson saying he would play for the Bears. Number five, who cares? Mitch, probably. I died laughing when I heard that because it's true. Hearing Russell Wilson say that he would play for the Chicago Bears is the most excitement surrounding the quarterback position for this franchise ever since the Jay Cutler trade. I would say since we had a top five draft pick to take a quarterback, but we all know how that worked out. This is the most excitement Bears fans can have about the potential of a quarterback since Jay Cutler was traded here. And again, that didn't turn out so great either. Russell Wilson is one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. And if you're the Bears, you have to go out there And you have to make Seattle an offer that they can't refuse. Make them say yes. Don't let them say no to you. Do whatever it takes to get Russell Wilson in a Bears uniform. Three first-round picks, a third-round pick, Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith. I know it sounds insane. That's so much to give up. What about our defense? What about our offense? We've had great defenses my entire life. We've never had a good offense. Russell Wilson makes you a good offense. Russell Wilson is one of the few players in the NFL at the quarterback position who actually makes everyone around him better. Okay, you might have to lose some guys in order to get him, but he's going to elevate everyone else's play. We're talking about Russell Wilson, a guy who has never lost fewer than nine games in a season. Never won fewer than nine games. My apologies. We're talking about Russell Wilson, who's played in two Super Bowls, should have won them both, outside of a bad coaching decision by his coach, but he won one of them. We're talking about Russell Wilson, the guy who has the most wins ever in the first nine years of their career, more than Peyton Manning. We're talking about Russell Wilson, one of the best players in the NFL and makes you instantly, infinitely better. And we're also talking about the Chicago Bears. Now, let me remind you where the the Chicago Bears stand as a franchise. They may think that they're one of the most storied franchises in history, which, yes, they have a long history, but the recency of that history has been terrible and they're a laughingstock to everyone else who has eyes to see what's been happening on the field the last 30 years. The Bears have a chance to bring in one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes, he's 32 years old, but still in the prime of his career. A guy who takes tremendous shape of himself. Never missed a start. Never missed a game in nine seasons in the NFL. Has never missed a game. Takes tremendous care of himself. He's got at least six Seven years of quality, above-average, top-tier football left in him. And Russell Wilson also 
has a little bit of a Tom Brady vibe to me. So I could easily see him playing into his 40s. Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl at 43 years old. And you know what? That, I think, is what sparked this entire conversation for Russell Wilson. Because if you were watching the Super Bowl four weeks ago now, there was a moment in that game where they showed Roger Goodell's press box and he was sitting next to Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson's wife, Ciara. And Russell Wilson looked like the most miserable human being I've ever seen in my life. Now, maybe that's just because he was sitting in between a conversation between Roger Goodell and Ciara. But I tend to think it had more to do with the fact that here he is on Super Bowl Sunday And instead of being down on the field, playing for another title, something he hasn't done in six or seven years now, he is in the press box watching Tom Brady, who prevented him from winning back-to-back titles in his second and third years, playing in his 10th Super Bowl and winning his seventh, playing in his fourth Super Bowl since beating Seattle in that Super Bowl. 43 years old, winning his seventh Super Bowl, winning his fifth Super Bowl MVP. And Russell Wilson is sitting in Roger Goodell's press box listening to that jerk have to say whatever he has to say. I'd be pissed too. I'd try and entice some change myself. And the quarterbacks in this league are starting to realize that they carry a little bit of power because their position is extremely important. And without them, they're not replaceable. Running backs, they've had a bad go of it. They've had guys hold out for more money. Le'Veon Bell held out, got a contract, has sucked ever since. Running backs are replaceable. Quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, quarterbacks like Tom Brady, quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are not replaceable. And it's not a direct correlation because Tampa Bay was already much, much better set up on offense than the Bears currently are. But Tom Brady signed with that team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team who going into last season had the worst winning percentage of any team in NFL history, a team that hadn't been to the playoffs in 13 years. They signed Tom Brady, and then all of a sudden, Rob Gronkowski comes out of retirement. Leonard Fournette signs with them. LaShawn McCoy signs with them. Antonio Brown signs with them. Guys flock to play with quarterbacks who can win Super Bowls. There are a handful of those guys in the NFL, Russell Wilson being one of them. If you have an opportunity to get Russell Wilson, you go and you get Russell Wilson. That's just all there is to it. Ryan Pace, you go out there, You offer Seattle the house. You offer them the garage, the car, the grill, the pool, everything. You give them the whole damn thing. Give them whatever they want. I personally would be okay with anybody on the roster being traded. If you trade Khalil Mack and get Russell Wilson back, I will not be upset about that. I don't think they're going to do it because of all they had to give up to get Khalil Mack and what's happened since then. And Ryan Pace is tied to him and for him to trade him would not be a good optic. But I wouldn't care. 
because we would wake up with Russell Wilson as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And I keep saying his name and I keep emphasizing his name because I don't think people understand how unprecedented this is for a guy like Russell Wilson to be, one, openly unhappy to the media and possibly available, and two, named you, your team, as one of the destinations in which he would go to. You have to go out and you have to make that move, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Russell Wilson, as the quarterback of the Chicago Bears, makes the Chicago Bears better than they've ever been in my entire lifetime without him even playing a snap. If Russell Wilson is traded to the Chicago Bears, he is already the greatest quarterback in franchise history without ever taking a snap. And then he would probably play 10 successful years and break all of the records anyway. We're talking about a franchise who just just denied the fifth round option on Mitch Trubisky, a guy they traded up for and picked second in a draft that had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Played a very uneven four years here where the fans were very harsh to him at times. He is top five in Bears franchise history in touchdown passes and yards. Top five. The way that you've heard people talking about Mitch the last few years, you would think he is a bottom 10 quarterback in Bears history. When in reality, he is a top 10 quarterback in the franchise's history. And that is sad. And that says everything that you need to know about the sad, sad, sad history of quarterbacks with the Chicago Bears. How do you fix that? How do you fix that terrible history? That 30 years, the list, everybody's seen the list of names of quarterbacks that have started since Brett Favre became the starter in Green Bay. How do you fix that problem that has been unfixable my entire life? You go out and you trade for Russell Wilson and you give Seattle anything they want and you give them a deal that is so good. They literally cannot say no. They can't do it. They just can't because Russell Wilson is a game changer and would make the Bears phenomenal. Speaking of game changers, Patrick Kane racked up another career milestone the other night. When we get back, I'll discuss whether or not he's earned a shot at a leadership promotion next here on SportstownChicago.com. Collected by DeBrinket. Now he and Kane come on a two-on-one. Kane delays. He'll drag it. His shot. He scores! That's hockey, baby! That's 400 for Patrick Kane! Look at me. I'm the captain. You're tuned into Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. I'm your host, Pat Riley. Another game, another milestone for 88. We are spoiled here as Blackhawks fans to have number 88 play for our franchise. And I think sometimes we forget about that, especially since it's been so long since the Hawks have played for a Stanley Cup. We were spoiled there for a while, and I think we've been leveled down back to earth. But the one consistent thing that we've seen through and through from the Chicago Blackhawks in this time is Patrick Kane. And he has been one of the best players in the NHL for 
probably the entire time that he's been in the NHL at this point. But it's just, he never ceases to amaze. And you see him with all these, his stick handling and his passing and his vision. He's just, he's a -a one-of-a-kind talent. He is, I would say, undoubtedly the greatest American hockey player of all time already with everything that he's done. And he continues to be a force. And the Blackhawks are competing this year in a year where nobody expected them to. And they're they're catching everybody off guard. They're they're currently in fourth in the division, but they have 28 points and they're two points back of first place. So they're right in the thick of it. And they're in a really tough division. They're playing with the Panthers, the Lightning, who won the Stanley Cup last year. They're playing against the uh, Hurricanes as well. And then out in Nashville, but they fell off this year. It's it's a tough division. And the Hawks are hanging in there tough. And it's really refreshing to watch. Because, again, there was very little expectation about this team. And... And here they are, right in the thick of things, about a quarter of the way into the season. So there's still some time. You know, things can still come back down to normal. And it's not just Kane. Kevin Lankinen, the goalie, rookie goalie, has been phenomenal and has provided this team with stability back there in a year where you weren't sure you were going to have it after Corey Crawford's Blackhawk career and NHL career ended up coming to an end. And it's, again, it's just so refreshing to see this team playing competitive hockey again. And it's just, to me, there's one consistent thing about this team through and through since the Stanley Stanley Cup runs began, and that's Patrick Kane. And I, you know, I don't want to discredit anyone else. I, I know what Jonathan Taze has accomplished, and it, it feels weird even bringing up this question, but I posed the question on our Facebook page, Old Sport. If you don't already, Facebook group, follow. Go ahead and go to facebook.com slash oldsportblt, and that will take you to our group. If you send a join request, we will approve you, and you can contribute to our shenanigans and daily sports talk. But I posed a question. I took a photo of Patrick Kane, and I photoshopped the A. I took it off, and I made it a C because I think that Patrick Kane, with his on-ice contributions consistently over the last decade plus, that and him evolving into the leader that he has become on this team I think he is worthy of rocking the C on his sweater. And again, I this is this is hypothetical. It's very unlikely it happens because Jonathan Taves has accomplished so much and no one knows what he's going through right now for one thing, so that's kind of scary. But but again, he's he hasn't done anything. I I talked about this with some of my friends and Andy from Elmhurst who t- chimed in last week brought up the good point that he hasn't done anything to warrant losing the captaincy. And I agree. You know, he hasn't played this season. He's going through some unknown health issues. But he's been the captain for 11 years, and you can't just 
take take it away from the guy because he hasn't played in 23 games this year, whatever it is. And, and I get that. That's why this is all hypothetical. But I thought it was a good conversation worth having because, as I mentioned, we don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taves right now. We have no idea the extent of what he's going through, how it happened, nothing. You know, people are speculating that it's COVID-related. Other people are speculating. I saw, not a report, I saw people speculating that he has ALS, which would be terrible. But obviously, when you hear the very limited information that we have surrounding him and the fact that he has been nowhere to be seen and there's no timetable for his return is very worrisome. So this feels like an okay conversation to have because on the off chance, and it would be terrible, and I really hope this isn't the case, but maybe if Jonathan Taves can't play hockey ever again, then all of a sudden you're in a position where you have to hand down the captaincy, and I think that would be as smooth of a transition as there is. And 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 it, I had and I again I posted this on our page in Old Sport. So in the future, if you're going to listen, check out our page ahead of time. Sometimes I'll post stuff on there to try and encourage interaction. You can also follow me on Twitter at to the Pat Cave if you're interested in in uh, what I have to say there. But I posted it to Old Sport. I asked. Uh, what Hawks fans think. We had a couple people chime in, so I just wanted to read a few of those comments. We had Jonathan Murado checking in saying he definitely has earned the C. It's just hard to give it to him when Taze is still with the organization. Taze is still the unquestioned captain of the team. It's a great point, Jonathan. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And again, I prefaced all of this with that, and I, this is all hypothetical. I feel like everyone feels the same way, but it just, I, it would Kane feels like such a unique talent and such a great player in the league, and and it would just be nice to see him rock the sea. That's where I stand on it. We got another person. We got Jason Coos, my buddy Coos, checking in, saying, I think an interim C, absolutely. When, if Taze comes back, I'm sure Kane would be cool giving it back. Like you said, it won't happen, though. The A is the same when the C is not on the ice, and that's a great point. And that's also a good point you made, Coos, about uh, if when if Taze comes back, I'm sure Kane would be cool giving it back, and and that's where to me this whole conversation would end in the first place. That's why it's a hypothetical because even if if the Hawks just woke up today and were like, you know what, let's make Kaner the captain. He he deserves it. If they went up to him and they were like, Patrick, we want you to be the captain of this team. You're clearly the leader's team. Everyone looks up to you. You're the best player on our team. You're one of the best players in the league. You deserve to have that C on your sweater. He would probably say no because of his relationship that he has with Jonathan Taze. The two of them are basically have been linked their entire careers. They were drafted in consecutive years. Uh, top five, Kane was number one. Taze was a number three pick for the Hawks. They were the cornerstone building pieces for a team that won three Stanley Cups and was the the best team in hockey and one of the best teams uh in the NA, in the Western Conference for uh, close to a decade. And they've fallen off a little bit. And I mentioned, you know, the whole reason I brought up this conversation is because Kane's consistency has been there and he's been, he has evolved into a leader. We all remember the Patrick Kane of old from the parade days when the Hawks were winning cups. And then he was showing up in stories in Madison, Wisconsin, just being a young kid who's an athlete with millions of dollars and having fun. Does it make it right? No. Did it muddy the waters on how people viewed him? Absolutely.
but he has done a lot since then to improve his, his image, and it all seems very genuine and organic. He matured. We are all humans. We are allowed the opportunity to mature and evolve into the best possible versions of ourselves. And I think Patrick Kane is there right now. He's in the prime of his career as a player, but also as a leader. And I think that this team looks up to him unquestionably as the leader. And and again, the C doesn't necessarily have to validate that. It's just they have it for a reason, obviously. Otherwise, they wouldn't even put him on the sweaters or like they don't do in a lot of other sports. They wouldn't even denote the captain on uniform. But the fact that they do shows that it does mean something. And, and and the last point again, and I don't want this to feel like an indictment on Jonathan Taze. This is more praising of Patrick Kane. But during the conversations I had, some other people brought up that there's a lot more that goes into being a captain than on-ice production. And I understand that that's a true thing, and that's absolutely 100% valid. But then it begs the question... The Hawks are playing their best hockey in, I would say, five or six years right now since they won their last cup in 2015. And it's all been during a time where Jonathan Taze has not been on the ice with the organization in any capacity. Now, again, not trashing his leadership, anything. I I love the guy to death. I would go to bat for the guy. But it just begs the question how important those other things that go into being a captain are to on-ice production because, again, the Hawks are doing okay without him now. But all that being said, I really hope he comes back strong and back as his old self because I I couldn't think of a better way for the Hawks to kind of push it to the next level than bringing the captain back and having that serious, no BS attitude enter this locker room and really help take these young guys from just learning how to play and win in the NHL to consistently doing it and what you have to do to win in the NHL, not just lucking into it. And and those are the things that Taze provides. And, and I understand that. And he is the captain of this team. I'm not questioning that one bit. It's just Patrick Kane has, has gotten to the point where I think uh, if they wanted to make that move, it's something that they could consider because he has taken on such a big leadership role and obviously his on-ice production speaks for itself. He is one of the best players in the NHL and, and one of the most skilled players to ever lace up the skates. Man, I love watching that guy play. He's so good, so good. And we share the same name, so I like him in that capacity as well. You know those athletes that you love when they're on your team, but you hate them if they're not? One of those, one of the best ever in that category, hung up his sneakers this weekend. We'll talk about it next here on SportstownChicago.com. Thomas Delaya blocked by Noah. Five rejections. Incredible anticipation. From down there. Oh, Noah throws it down in Mozgov's face. He's had 13 block shots in this game. None bigger than that last one. Noah. Buries a big time shot to make it a two possession game at 106 102. You like it? You think Cleveland's cool? I mean, I never heard anybody say I'm going to Cleveland on vacation.
SportstownChicago.com. This is Old Sport Radio with Pat Riley. Those were some career highlights from one of my all-time favorite Bulls, Joakim Noah, who announced his retirement from the NBA after 13 seasons split up with the Bulls, Knicks, Grizzlies, and Clippers, most notably with the Bulls. He was the 2013-2014 NBA Defensive Player of the Year, first team All-NBA that year as well. And even when Derrick Rose is playing on this team and winning MVPs and being one of the top players in the league, it was Joakim Noah who was always the unquestioned leader in that locker room. And just, again, one of my all-time favorite Bulls. He just, the way he went out there and gave it his all, Every single game wasn't the most talented guy. Obviously had God-given abilities and height, but made the most out of his talent. I would say even more. I would say Joakim Noah, you could argue, made more out of his talent than almost anybody in NBA history. Again, Defensive Player of the Year, 2013-2014. First team All-NBA. I, I don't think anyone ever saw Joakim Noah really ascending to that level of play for the Chicago Bulls. Even though he was a lottery pick, he was the number seven pick, I think, for the Bulls. He had a great career at Florida in college. He won back-to-back titles with Billy Donovan. Hmm. Billy Donovan, you say. Hmm. Coaches the Bulls now. Joakim hmm. Noah's got a good relationship with um Feels like a perfect marriage to add him to the bench. I don't know. Make it happen, Bulls. We'll see. I would love that. But we will see. I wanted to bring Joakim Noah up, though, because he's one of those guys who, and, and I made the intro for this very specifically, because Joakim Noah is the ultimate love him if he's on your team, Hate him if he's not kind of guy, and we all know we all know players like that, and and it varies. The th- the thing I love about this subject is that it varies so much because everybody has different tastes as far as fandom goes. Everybody roots for different teams. Not everybody is fans of the same team. So this answer could vary from person to person because if you're a Cubs fan, it could be somebody from the White Sox who you've always hated. Same, vice versa. If you're a Sox fan like myself, it's probably somebody on the Cubs that you can think of that you hated. But if they came and played for your team, all right, I'd take that guy on my team. Yeah, I'd definitely take that guy on my team. Joakim Noah was that guy, and he was always that guy. And, But again, it's just instant because I remember I hated Joakim Noah when he was in college. And maybe that's just... The, the pessimist in me where when any, anytime anyone is highly ultra successful, I kind of don't like them because they're too successful. Save some for the rest of us. But it's just jealousy more than anything. Joakim Noah was an easy guy to hate. He's got the goofy hair. He's got the gap in his teeth. He's lanky. He's emotional. He's just 
he had everything to be a villain. And, but then he had some legit game, like, like real legit game. Defensive player of the year, I mentioned that. One of the better rebounders I remember watching in the last 10 years. But beyond that, Joakim Noah turned into a playmaking center. He was right, right before the precipice of like Nikola Jokic and some of these other big guys that are now doing a little bit more playmaking. Joakim Noah was was kind of that guy before before Jokic came in and set the league on fire. Now, obviously, Noah didn't do it to the same efficiency that Nikola Jokic has, but Joakim Noah was out there leading the Bulls in assists as a center. I mean, running sets as the primary ball handler, as a center. Especially when Derrick Rose went out. Obviously, when Derrick was playing, he was the primary ball handler. Everything ran through him on offense. Noah was much better in the pick and roll scenario at that point. But when Derrick went down, there was no plan B for this team. I know Nate Robinson filled in valiantly and was a volume scorer and did his best, but the offense started to run through Joakim Noah, their center. He would take the ball at the top of the key and the sets would run through him and he would distribute and he turned into a great passer a great passer one of the best bigs passing big one of the best big passers of all time I don't even think that's right the way I said it there but you guys get what I'm trying to say Joakim Noah made the most out of his talents and for that I loved him I hated him again I hated him when he was at Florida the second the Bulls drafted him, I shouldn't say the second, because what he wore to the draft made me really question the decision with that white suit and the bow tie. I watched one game in the Joakim Noah era, and I was completely sold on the guy because at the end of the day, regardless of the antics and his looks and the provocateur that he definitely is, he is a hard worker, he has a high basketball IQ, and he plays the game the right way for his teammates, for his team. Everything's about the win. It's not about the personal accolades. He wants that championship. And it it sucks that he never got that. I hate it. And I would have loved it to have come with the Bulls, obviously, but I would have liked to seen him latch on to not, not chase a ring, but be a, a contributing piece of a championship contending team. He tried to do that with the Clippers last year. He never really meshed well with them, and they obviously flamed out in the playoffs early. So, But back to the point at hand, guys that you love them if you're on your team, hate them if they're not, I have a few that come to mind of guys that I hate. Hate. But if they were on my team, I know I wouldn't hate them. And this first one, I'm not even sure I can say this first one because I don't really believe it. And I've always said, and I've always maintained, I don't want him to come to the Bears, but it's Aaron Rodgers. And I hate Aaron Rodgers because he owns the Bears and he's so good. But I'd also imagine that having him as your QB would help you sleep sound at night. That being said, I have proclaimed to many people that I hate Aaron Rodgers so much, I don't. I wouldn't even want him to be the Bears quarterback. So I have to stand by that. I will 
begrudgingly accept if he becomes the Bears quarterback, but I won't be happy about it. Or if I am, I won't admit it openly. That's all I have to say about that. Richard Sherman is another player that comes to mind as well because just, again, an ultimate provocateur, just obnoxious, to the point of obnoxious. And But he goes out there and he backs it up more than anyone else has ever backed up their talk in the history of sports, maybe. He's been a top corner for most of his career. He's made big plays in big games. He's won a Super Bowl, played in three. He's a big-time player. And even though his he gets annoying in the trash talk, and I like guys that just go out there and play. That's why even, you know, Noah was never over the top. Sherman's a guy who goes over the top with his trash talk and and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if if a prime Richard Sherman was on on the Bears, my preferred football team. I'd love the guy. No complaints from me. You talk all the trash you want. You get in Aaron Rodgers' face. You tell him you hate his mama. I don't care. As long as you're on the Bears. If you're on any other team, you're annoying. It's just how I feel. Can't help it. Uh, let's check the socials again. I mentioned, if you don't already, search us on Facebook on Old Sport. You can go to facebook.com slash oldsportblt and it will bring you to our group where I post questions and try and encourage interaction. You can also follow me on Twitter at ToThePatCave. So I posted this question on Old Sport the other day. Who, what athletes can you guys think of or who comes to mind when you talk about athletes like Joakim Noah that you love to hate or you hate them if they're not on your team, but they you love them if they are on your team. And I got a little bit of feedback on this one as I pull it up here real quick. I know Andy from Elmhurst checked in again, and he said A.J. Pierzynski, 100%. Couldn't stand the guy his whole career, but he was an integral part of the 05 White Sox. Very true. A.J. was so bad. It was like borderline. You We almost didn't even like him when he was on the White Sox but we tolerated him because of his smarts and his importance behind the plate with all the pitchers and obviously what he meant to that team to winning a World Series in 2005. But yeah, A.J. Pierzynski is one of those guys where once he left the White Sox, he was immediately annoying again and wanted nothing to do with him. So that's a good one, Andy. We've also got Mark checking in in Wisconsin, Mark Anderson. He says, Dennis Rodman, Rob Bob Probert and Albert Bell, all Chicago athletes, but all very good answers. Famously, Dennis Rodman, part of the bad boy Pistons team who created the Jordan rules, which were ultimately just kicked the crap out of Michael Jordan. And Dennis Rodman was an integral part of that group. And one of the enforcers that was out there hard fouling MJ as he was going to the hoop. And then he joined the Bulls and won three championships with them. And when he was on the Pistons, everyone in Chicago hated Dennis Rodman because he was out for blood against Michael Jordan. And anyone who was out for blood against Michael Jordan was a dead man walking in Chicago. Then he came to Chicago, helped Michael win three more titles while being the best rebounder anyone has ever seen in their life. And all is forgiven. That's just kind of how things work. Funny how things work like that, isn't it? Very funny. All right, 
One of Chicago's most honest, honest athletes gave a quote for the ages last week to cement that reputation. We'll discuss if what he said is true next here on SportstownChicago.com. And uh, no sky's the limit at that point. Tim, don't become a politician on me. You're the most a- you're, the, you're, you're the most honest athlete in Chicago. Who cares if they blog about it, if they podcast about it, if they tweet about it? Who cares, man? Just say what you feel. You're the best team in the American League. Yeah, the best team in the American League. <laughs> oh, I like that. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome back into Old Sport Radio here on SportstownChicago.com. I am Pat Riley. That was the voice of Tim Anderson on the Parkinson Spiegel Show on 670 The Score last week, giving a quote for the ages. Shout out to Danny Parkins for pulling that one out of him. As a Sox fan, I am jacked up after hearing T.A. say that because you just know that's what he's thinking. You just know it. Just the Tim Anderson is, I, I would say, the ultimate cool guy in baseball right now. But I think most would argue that Fernando Tatis Jr. has that role locked down. But I don't want to talk about him because he should be on the White Sox. But whatever. He's not. Tim Anderson is. And he has been one of the best players in the American League the last few years. He's one of these guys who has been a joy to see come in, work hard, improve every year, and really work his way into becoming the player that he has. And now they've put a pretty good team together. They they made the playoffs last year. They got a taste, but now they're hungry, and there's sharks in the water, and there's blood. And Tim Anderson just just showed his hand. But you know what? I love it. I would rather the White Sox come into this season taking on that challenge, thinking that they are the best team in the American League, then for them to come in and say, well, you know, we finished, we ended up finishing third in our division last year, and we, we kind of lost a few games down the stretch and really didn't finish as strong as we would have liked. And who wants to hear that from the best player on their team, the captain of their team? What confidence does that instill in anybody to say anything like that? And and you know what? He He wanted to take the political answer. He wanted to try and just not give the quote, but, but Parkins knew that he wanted to give the quote. So he pushed him a little bit. And, and I think Tim Anderson, when you look at him in the time that he's been here with the White Sox, he's one of those guys where he's really come into his own as far as media appearances. He was, let's just say unpolished before, and he would be a guy who would maybe say an F-bomb and not really realize it. But, um, you know, he's a guy where if you push him a little bit, he'll play your game. And, and that's exactly what happened there. And, and I don't think, you know, the White Sox tweeted it out. I don't think anybody in the organization is mad about this. I don't think it's anything like that. It's just now now it's out there. And now it is bulletin board material. And they're selling it on T-shirts. And fans are eating it up. I love it, I said. But now, now you got to go out there and now you got to prove it. And I think this team is fully capable of going out there and doing that. I don't think Tim Anderson would have went out on a limb and said that if he didn't believe it and he didn't think they had the pieces in place to go out there and back it up. So I don't think it's one of those things where the Sox are going to finish below 500 and everyone's going to point back to, well, you know, when Tim Anderson said they were the best team in the AL in spring training, that's when things really started to go downhill. It's not like that. 
It's not because this team is too good to fall off that bad. I know the Pocota projections think that they're going to be around 500, but there's too much talent in this locker room. They've built such great chemistry. And now all the word coming out of training camp is that things with Tony La Russa are fine. There's no issue there. Everyone everyone likes him. Everyone gets along with him. He, he's letting everyone, he's buying in to the personality that the team has already created for themselves. He is allowing them to be themselves, to be those same expressive football or football same expressive baseball players that we saw out there last year tim anderson with the bat flips that stuff from from everything we're hearing he is not going to try and tame them in any way like that he wants them to go out there and be themselves tony larusa seems like an old school guy he is an old school guy because he's 76 years old but he wants to win and that's all he's ever done and that's all he's coming to do is win. So I have no reason to doubt the guy that he's going to come in and win with a team that went out last year and won. And then they can't went out this offseason and added more players to that same group that went out and won last year. This team is going to be good. They have the potential to be the best team in the American League. No doubt. Hearing their best player come out and say he thinks they are has me more excited for a White Sox baseball season than I have been in quite some time, 10 years plus at least. There's rumblings that fans are going to be allowed into games at some point this year, safely, distanced. I will be there for at least five of those games, if not more. I want to try and get out to 10 games this year. That might seem a little ambitious for someone who just had a baby two months ago, But this team could be special. This could be something special. This could be like 2005. And to be there and to witness that firsthand, especially after last season, no fans getting to see any games. The Sox finally make the playoffs for the first time in 12 years. And I can't even go out to this. What is it called now? I always call it the cell. To Comiskey. Can't go out to Comiskey to catch the game. It was heartbreaking. Especially, as I mentioned before, seeing how much fun the team was having. I I wanted to be there. I wanted to feel that energy. And, I, and I'm, I'm dying to feel that energy. So I'm going to go out, and I'm going to go to some games this year. I'm going to wear my mask. I will be safe. But I'm going to some White Sox games because the White Sox are going to be one of the best teams in baseball this year. And as a fan of them... I would like to go see that live. I just miss it. But I have no problem with Tim Anderson saying this. And I don't think White Sox fans should have any problem with him saying it either. Because he sets the tone. And if that's the tone that he's going to set, well, I want the rest of the players to follow. Because, yes, I do want to be the best team in the American League. I want to have home field advantage in the ALCS. I would love an opportunity to play for a World Series this year as a White Sox fan. Those are all goals that three years ago still felt lofty. Now they feel realistic. They don't sound crazy when you say that out loud. People aren't going to make fun of you in the ways that they used to maybe make fun of you for having confidence in the Chicago White Sox because, damn it, this team is here and they're ready. They are ready. (laughs) 
I am out, though. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Again, follow us on Facebook, search Old Sport, or go to facebook.com slash BLT. You can follow me on Twitter at To The Pat Cave. This is Pat Riley signing out. 